Hello. And Hi, welcome. Mr. John. Can I have a pen? It's good to be here. Uh -huh. <coughs> so, as you can see, the uh, the microphone is in a different place than normal. Um, Hi. That's weird. Where's it usually? <laughs> it's usually around my neck. <coughs> Much like. Ah, uh, never mind. Oh, so, no. I didn't do ASMR of eating chocolate. Hello, welcome to my ASMR channel. Oh, that's weird. <laughs> then just, so I want to talk to you guys. So first of all, go to First Peter chapter five, which is the reference that you see on your handout. And this time around, you'll notice that there's not like a three-point structure to your handout. I actually just ended up going. Yeah, right. LOL. <laughs> I just got lazy. I didn't want to make the handout, you know? But basically <laughs> what I did is I went through every single verse that we're going to talk about in this chapter. And one of the things that I want to do with you guys, like one of the goals that I have for you is that I want you to be able to read the Bible without me. And so every so often, it's a good thing for us to take some time to read and talk about it and kind of give you an opportunity to just, you know, work through it with someone. Let me see Okay, that's probably good enough. Why is so, it facing us? I mean, I'm sure it'll capture whatever it's it needs to. It's just generally in the middle. It's just generally in the middle. Hopefully it's not too much background noise from the AC. Like, this might end up being a useless recording, but that's beside the point. My mom, whenever she turns on her car, yeah. it turns to one of the recordings. To one of, like, from from the youth group? Dude, I'm into it. Why do you and listen? you can just hear me in the background just say something stupid. <laughs> like, the yeah. other day when I go... When you ask me a question, I go, I'm hungry. Oh my goodness, I remember that. I mean, honestly me though, it's fine, because you can hear me in the foreground saying things that are stupid. Huh. Uh. <laughs> you just being no silent. one corrects you. LOL. <laughs> the one person who's able to pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> is what that means, right? Uh, anyways, but who can remind me? So we've obviously been out for a little bit because it was New Year's and Christmas, and who can tell me what First Peter has been about so far? What has all, like, the entire book been about? It's been a few weeks, so I have to get you guys back in the right train of thought. What's First Peter been about? It's been about something that starts with a W. Starts with a W. Starts, starts with a wit. Witness. Hey! <laughs> it starts with a wit, ends with a ness. That's right. We were talking about witnessing. So, First Peter is an entire book about how do you share the gospel and function like a Christian in the world. He talks about what salvation is. He talks about going into the world and submitting to government leaders, submitting to employers, submitting to suffering. He talks about marriage relationships. And then he goes back to evangelism. And this entire book has been about being a Christian in the world. But... That's not the only place that you're a Christian, right? And what's a really important place that Christians tend to go? Church. Hey, perfect. We got it immediately. Yes. So Christians usually go to church, right? Like a really big part of what you do as a Christian is in the community of a church. And that's actually the thing that Peter finishes off this letter with. He spent all this time, he spent four chapters talking about, okay, go out there and be a Christian, but then where do you come home, right? Because, you know, you go out for your work from nine to five, and then you come home afterward, and you go, you're around your family, and you go to bed, and you get ready to do it again the next day. And for a Christian, it's important to have, like, a base of operations. Like, you know, when you go to war in another country, and you're in Afghanistan, 
you usually have a place on the ground that you've established yourself and you can use it as like a headquarters of operation, right? And that's basically what the church is, because what's our mission in the world? To be a missionary. To be a missionary. That's right. We're going out into the world and we're trying to save souls. But the problem is, does Satan want us to be successful? Not them. Not even a little bit, right? And a lot of times when the Bible talks about spiritual warfare, it calls it warfare. Back in Ephesians, when we were doing that, we talked about the armor of a Christian. We talked about the way that you go about battle. And it's really important to think about the fact that there is an enemy. This isn't something that we're going out and doing for funsies. This is actually, in a sense, a battle that we're engaging in. And so it's important to think about where do you find your rest? Where do you get stronger? Where do you rest? Where do you recuperate? And the Christian finds that in the church. And so Peter is writing to the people in the church. So would one of you actually like to read the entire section? And then we're going to go through it each verse and just talk about it. Who'd like to read the whole thing? It's her birthday. It is her birthday. Happy birthday, Adelaide. She should get to pick someone. Okay, yeah, since I made you pray earlier. Parker. No. <laughs> hey, man, Parker, it's all you. I believe in you, man. Parker, Parker, the whole thing? So you're going to read whole, down to verse 11. The whole rest of the Bible. The whole re- Yep, we're going to read to Revelation. Let's yeah. do it. I don't know how to count to 11. I don't know where I Don't worry. Count. There's a number there for you. The Bible counts for you. Yeah, but I don't know. I'll stop you. Just keep reading I until I stop you. I it was like 624. <laughs> I will. So you might have. You're probably looking at footnotes. I'll stop you when you get to it. Don't worry. What page are you on? Well, the right one. 1206. Okay, perfect. Yeah, go for it. So I exhort the elders among you as I... As a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but but willingly... As God would have you, not for shameful good, but elderly, elderly, eagerly, not dominating over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chef, chief shepherd appears to you, appears you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that the proper time may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful, be an adversary. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of 
all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To be to him be the dominion forever. Amen. There you go. Good. That's eleven. Good job. Thank you very much, Parker. Now, I hope you guys were paying attention because uh, now I want you to close your Bible and try to write out that whole section from memory. Are we serious? No. Okay. Oh. <laughs> Please, now I have to find it again. <laughs> he's, he's being a good listener. I'm over here like, you're wrong. Oh, I'm to it. I appreciate <laughs> you guys. <laughs> so, yeah, we've just read that entire section, and now I want to go back with you verse by verse, and we're going to talk about each individual thing. So the first verse, it says, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and as a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. That's a lot of words. What's that even saying? Like, who can kind of summarize what Peter just said there? Like, what does it mean to exhort someone? Encourage? Yeah. It's like aggressive encouragement. It's like encouragement with a slap in the back kind of thing. Like, go out there, do the thing, don't be a pansy. Like, that kind of a thing. You're chucking someone out into the world. You're saying, go. So he is exhorting the elders. Do you guys know what elders are? Yeah. Elder typically means old person. But what about in a church? Because this is not going to make any sense unless we make sure we know what an elder is. Has anyone ever talked to you about elders in the church? Okay. Well, then it's a very good thing that we're talking about that today. So in a church, you have a group of elders, which are typically older, more mature guys in the church that essentially govern the church. Does anyone know the name of the elders at our church? I think I might. Okay. Do it. Dennis. Dennis. Cotteron, yep. Mike Williams. Yep. Um, Rick Ayers. Yep. Dad. Yep. That's his name. That's his legal name. Craig. Yeah. Is that it? That's it. Oh. That's it. So those are our elders. I could only get Rick, your dad. Yeah, I would have said Rick, Craig, Rick and Craig. Yeah. What about your his well, dad? Well, that's two for five. That's pretty good. That is pretty good. His Honestly, dad. man, at my last dad. church, I didn't know who most of the elders were. Yep. That's <laughs> it's kind of how that went, but it's really important. Like, I only know Rick because he's in my life group. <laughs> Rick is cool, oh, that's man. Cool. Dude, Rick's Monday Night Life Group is a jam. Anyways, but. Uh, what was I saying? Elders. So it's, so it's important to understand who elders are because it's essentially the people that make the decisions of the church. Like my boss is the elder board. The elder board tells me what to do. They were the ones who made the decision to hire me. They're the ones that I'm accountable to. Like everything that we're doing here tonight is happening under the authority of the elders. And so every single church has a group of elders that's essentially running the church. And so Peter is talking and he's talking to the rulers of the church. He's talking to people in the church who have authority. Now, something that's really kind of cool looking at Peter, when Peter is identifying himself, what does he identify himself as? Like in this first verse, his little signature, what is unique about Peter? Or not even unique, but what's important about Peter? It says in verse 1. That he's an elder and that he witnessed the suffering of Christ. He's an elder, so he's a fellow elder. Is Peter putting himself above the other elders? But I mean, isn't a Peter, isn't Peter a pretty important guy? I think so. I think so, right? <laughs> so Peter is one of the apostles. He's one of the disciples of Jesus. Peter followed Jesus. It was under Peter's supervision that the Gospel of Mark was written. Peter's a pretty big deal. Like we know who Peter is, right? 
And yet, he doesn't say, I appeal to you as the king of Christianity. But he instead says, I'm just a fellow elder. What else does he say? He says he's an elder, and then... A partaker? Or, no, sorry, a witness. A witness. And a witness of what? The suffering of Christ. Of the suffering, yeah. Of the suffering. Does that strike you as weird? Because what, what, what was Peter a witness of? Christ's whole life. Well, I mean, not whole life, but like yeah, a lot of a lot of his life. Yeah, like it's not that Jesus didn't suffer, but Peter spent three years following Jesus. Do you think that the only thing he saw was suffering? Like that'd be like if I knew, I don't know, Adelaide. It'd be as though your dad was like, "Oh yeah, I know my wife." I was there when she gave birth to my daughter. And it's like, um... Probably know a little more than just that. Right? It's like, you've seen more than that. Like, you could have said, oh yeah, I married her. You could have said, oh yeah, we've lived together for however long. How long have your parents been married? Um, I believe I should know this. Six, half of my mom's life. So, six. Okay. Oh, that's so cool. So she got married when she was 23, and no, she's been married 20. half of her life. Well, I think, no, she's known my dad half of her life. Oh, oh, oh. So that makes more sense. I was like, your married. mom got married at 16? No. <laughs> I was she confused. She got married at 22, had me at 24. I know she had. So if she yeah. had you at 24, and you just. No, 23, she had me. Yeah. Okay, so, so then they've been married yeah. your age plus two. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, Peter could have been like, oh, yeah, I was there to watch Christ's ministry. I was there to see all the things that he did. He could have said, I witnessed Christ's miracles. But it'd be like if your dad said, yeah, I know Sarah. I watched her give birth. I know Sarah. I watched her when she was pregnant. And it's like, you could have said you raised kids with her. You could have said that you've, like, married her. You could have said that you've known her for 16 years. Why'd you go with that? And so I'm curious, why is it important? Why is Peter choosing that? Why is he saying he witnessed the sufferings of Christ? Maybe he really liked watching it. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe he really liked watching it. Maybe he just noticed at, from his, uh, like out of his lifetime that he has suffered uh, a couple times that he, sure. that ha- he has watched. Yeah. So it's like the suffering experiences are the things that stick out to him. Yeah, that's a good one. Parker, what do you think? What? What do you think? Why would Peter specifically be talking about the suffering of Christ and nothing else? Um, because that was the most important thing that he saw. And that was the ding, ding, ding. That was the right answer. That is right. Why was the suffering of Christ the most important thing Peter saw? What do you think? Why was the suffering of Christ the most important thing Peter saw? Uh, Peter definitely saw more than that. Why is the suffering of Christ really important? Um, because it was the main subject. Yes. Because that was the thing that Jesus came to do. Jesus came to die. Jesus came to die for our sins, right? That's why we have salvation. So that's the thing that Peter is saying. Like, that's what was important. But we're going to continue. So in verse 2, he says, Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, 
not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. So who is Peter talking to again? The elders. The elders. And the elders are a bunch of old guys running churches. Raise your hand if you're an old guy running a church. <laughs> right? Like, none of us are even close to that. For them, like, a lot of us here... I'll never be an old man running a church. <laughs> right? Like John might be. Yeah, I might be. Who knows? You're the closest. <laughs> I would be the closest one to being in that position if it eventually happens. Potentially. I can see John. You know, in 20 years or something. But a lot of us, we're never going to be elders. And for those of us who will be elders, it's not going to be for a long time if it happens. Right? So why... Why does it matter for you guys to know this? Why, why would I be talking to you about how to be an elder if most of you won't be there and also those of you who will be there, it's not going to be for a long time? So we can live our life right? Yeah, so you can live your life right. Why is it helpful to have this information if you want to live your life right? Like, why does this help you do that? Uh, is this in the Bible? It is in the Bible. That's true. So why is it helpful? So we know what elders that our other, other people should do? That's part of it. So that's actually a really big one. Did you guys hear what Julianne said? So we know what other people should do? Mm-hmm. Because who appoints elders? Like, who decides who the elders are? Usually the ch- church members. The church members. That's right. So the elders are made elders by the entire congregation. So what if the entire congregation is filled with a bunch of idiots that have never read their Bible? What kind of elders is that congregation going to appoint? Another idiot. Another idiot! That's exactly right. That is exactly 100% correct. <laughs> so it's, it, would you say that it's pretty important that you guys, as church members, know who to make elders? Mm-hmm. And the issue is this. A lot of times, you're going to have people going to church, and they're 25 years old, and they're voting on who the elder is, and they've never heard this. Right? And so that's a problem. Because the issue is, the time to prepare for something is not five years after it happens. The time to prepare for something is now. So the issue is, you guys are in junior high and high school, right? And you guys need to be getting ready to be the adult that you should be. Like right now, your job is to make yourself into the adult that you should be. Like something to kind of consider. Mary. When Mary was, you know, having Jesus and she was pregnant and all that good stuff and getting married and raising a kid, how old would you guess Mary was? 13 or 14. 13 or 14. Adelaide, how old are you? 13. 13. Charlie, how old are you? 12. 12. Parker, how old are you? 11. 11. So could you imagine if within five years from now, <laughs> oh, sorry, Julianne, how old are you? 24. 24. So in other words... Julianne's apparently missed her deadline <laughs> by uh, 10 years. I'm an old hag. She's in, yep. <laughs> Your life word's expect- not mine. The life expectancy back then was 38, so well but, past midlife. Yeah, right. So wow. the thing that you, I want you guys to think about is imagine. Imagine if, if in less than five years you were having a kid. Wow. Nope. Right? Like, <laughs> right? That's pretty crazy, right? But the thing is, for a lot of history, that's what went on. You'd be a parent young. And the thing is, for a lot of us, like in our modern day, when would you say you're an adult? 18. 
18. 18. So that's when you're a legal adult, absolutely. When would you say someone's a mature adult? When they're supporting themselves. When they're supporting themselves, okay. What age would you say that usually happens? Maybe 23. 23? Yeah, 25. 25? Like graduating college. Graduating college. What do you think? I got 23, 25, graduating college. 24. 24, okay. So 24. And kind of in our culture, we don't expect people to be adults until way later in life. But back then, people would be adults roughly at the age that Adelaide is. Wow. Right? That's not true. And the issue is this. You guys, as junior high and high schoolers, I've met men in high school, and I've met 30-year-olds that are still boys. And your goal is not to be a kid forever. Your goal is not to be a girl forever. Your goal is not to be a boy forever. Your goal is to become women and to become a man and to do that as quickly as possible. And so one of the reasons that I'm talking to you guys about what mature people look like is because this is essentially what you're aiming at. Like this is a description of an elder and this is what he's telling elders to do, but also you're gonna learn about what an adult should be. And your goal is to become adults. So what's something that you notice? In verse two, what's something that a faithful, mature person does? If you want to read verse two, let's see who can tell me first. Exercising oversight. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so a responsible adult has responsibility, right? They actively take on responsibility. They take on things that they are responsible for, right? I said the same thing like three times in a row. That's kind of so much variety. But that's one thing, is that they take on responsibility, right? Okay, what's another thing? Why do they do it, I should ask? Or rather, why do they not do it? To be a shepherd. To be a shepherd? Yeah. So a shepherd, does a shepherd care about themselves? I mean, yeah. Well, yeah. So there is an extent to which, yeah. But primarily, what is a shepherd concerned with? flock. Yeah, that's right. The flock of God. Jesus says that the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And so another thing that's a characteristic of responsible adults, are you in it for yourself? No. No. A responsible adult, a mature person is someone who cares about others. And so one of the things that you need to get better at is you need to start learning. How do I care about other people instead of myself? How do I take on responsibility? Okay, well, what are they not motivated by in verse 2? Compulsion. So they're not doing it under compulsion. And then after that, what are they not motivated by? Uh, what kind of gain? Shameful. Shameful gain. I was going to say that. What is shameful gain? Like when he's talking about what about like shameful gain, what do you guys think he's talking about? Like they're ashamed of themselves. They're ashamed of themselves, maybe. What is it? What is it? What is shameful gain? Well, what do you guys think? What are what are some bad motivations that you think someone could have for being like a pastor, for example? Money. Hey, there it is. That's it money. There's a lot of people that they do ministry for money. There's a lot of people who are like, hey, whatever, whatever you sow, God will give back to you tenfold. And there's like those 
TV preachers like online. They're like, send me all of your money and God will double it. Nope. Like those kinds of, exactly. We call those con artists. But there's people that they go into ministry and they do it for money. And so what's something that, you know, they exploit people. And so a mature adult, a mature Christian, you're not doing the things that you do to exploit other people, but you actually care about them. And that's a bit harder to think about how that applies in your life now. But when you're around a bunch of people, are you using those people for your own pleasure or do you care about them? And that's what you're supposed to do, right? And sometimes you need to kind of take a step back and be like, okay, am I actually doing that? So we're going to skip down a bit. Who wants to read verse 5? I will. Go for it. Likewise, you you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourself, all of you, with humility for one another. For God's oppose the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Mm -hmm. So who who here is younger? Well, I guess I should say, raise your hand if you're young. I'm young. <laughs> All of us at this table Parker. still qualify as young. So earlier, we were talking about commands that did not directly apply to us. Does this command directly apply to us? Yes. It's a fat yes, right? It says, you who are younger. Am I younger? Yes, I am. <laughs> Therefore, it applies. So what's the command? Clothe yourself. Yeah, humility towards one another. Mm-hmm. That's right. Clothe with yourself with humility, but towards one another. What's the other one? That's one of the two commands in this verse. The first one is clothe yourself with humility. That's actually not us. So the first, so the the second command is to be clothed with humility. What's the first command? Don't be pride. Be subject to the elders. There it is. Yep, be subject to the elders. So what does that mean to be subject to someone? Be nice. Be nice is one of it. If you're subject to me, obey them. That's right. That's right, obey them. So elders have authority. And one of the things that you have to consider is like, but just because someone's an elder doesn't mean they get to tell you anything. Like if my dad got up on Sunday morning and he said, guys, as your pastor, I am commanding all of you to sell your houses and move with me to Arizona. And we're going to start a church out there. You'd say no. Mm -hmm. Because he doesn't have the authority to do that, right? The same way that if your school teacher comes into your house and says, hey, you have to do 100 push-ups right now. Uh, You'd, (laughs) you know, throw them out of the house. Yeah, my teacher would do that. My teacher would do that. Oh my gosh, a punishment she gave us was... Anyone make noise? Drop down. Give me twenty. Well, I mean, uh-huh. if you're in their classroom, that's my thing. PE teacher. Yeah. She was. She Waste was a choir teacher. That's random. My dad was in the military. And I believe that. <laughs> yeah. But like, it doesn't mean that you, always, you have all authority. But elders do have authority. Elders, they, in a sense, get to tell you what to do. Where like, if my dad's up on Sunday morning and he says, "Hey, thus says the Lord." don't get a divorce for dumb reasons. Like he has the authority to say that, but it's not so much that my dad has the authority as much as God has the authority. Like, does God get to tell you how you're supposed to live? Yes. 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 Right. And where does God tell you how to live? Where do we find God's commands on how to live? 
Bible. Hey, the Bible. So it's less that the pastor gets to tell you what to do and more that the pastor tells you what the Bible says, right? And so you're supposed to submit yourselves. So that's the first part. But what is humility? Because we're told to be humble. What is humility? Not bragging. Not bragging. That's a part of humility. Yeah. What is humility? If you were to define it. Not bragging. That's a good one. Lay it on me. It's not about being wrong, it's about trying. Um, like, embarrassed about yourself. Embarrassed about yourself. So that's actually an interesting one. I think that there's a fair number of people that that's what they would say, because it's like being humiliated, right? That's what I thought about that. So that's actually a very solid answer. It's not quite, but it's close. So what's the opposite of humility? Pride. 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 So what is pride? Brag about yourself. Brag about yourself. That's something that pride for people too. But what is pride? Why would you brag about yourself? Because you want to make yourself feel better. You want to make yourself feel better? Sure. It's, would you say that it's when like you think super highly of yourself? Yeah. So you walk into a room and you're like, I'm the most important person in this room. 100%. No one else actually matters. I'm amazing. I'm the best thing since sliced bread, guys. Let me tell you what I think because I'm amazing. Like that's pride, right? So if that's pride, what's the opposite of that? So what is humility? Like you don't, you don't, you don't like yourself. Meek. It's less that you don't like yourself, and it's more that you don't care what people think. It's that pride is when you think super highly of yourself. So humility is when think super lowly of yourself. It's when you think super lowly of yourself. Like the word that we translate humility, it means thinking yourself low. Like it actually means like bent over, short of stature kind of thing. It's being low-minded. So. The thing about humility is that a lot of times we kind of puff ourselves up. We think we're all that. We think we're super important. But humility is not that. But if someone walks into a room and they're like, oh man, I'm terrible. I suck. I'm dumb. I'm unattractive. I'm weak. I'm such a loser, guys. And like they're talking to everyone about how much of a loser they are. Who are they talking about? Themselves. Themselves. So who are they making the center of attention? Themselves. themselves. That's right. Yeah. So sometimes you have what's called false humility. Ooh, get it, get it, get it, get it. <laughs> Bam. So sometimes you have like false humility where you walk into a room and you're like, man, woe is me. I'm such a loser. But you're taking all of the attention and putting it on yourselves. Is that actually humility? No. no. So humility isn't just like, oh, insulting yourself, but humility is when you walk into a room and you don't even think about yourself. Like there are some people, I've heard it said, humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking about yourself less. Like when you walk into a room, humility is when you look at everyone else at the table and you think, man, I care about that person. Like you walk into a room and you're not thinking, Man, what does John want to do? I hope everyone's seeing me and thinking I look cool. Man, I wonder if things people think my outfit is weird. Like, it's when I sit down, I look at a table, and I think, man, I wonder how Julianne's doing. I hope she's doing well. I'm thinking Parker. Man, I wonder how Parker's doing. I hope that Parker is able to actually glean something from this. I hope that this is a benefit to him. Man, I wonder how Adelaide is doing. I wonder if her, her dog is still ugly. Like, you know, that kind of thing. Oh, she's not ugly. <laughs> 
I'm one kidding. Of one of them is. Do you she have goes, another? Well, you know. <laughs> yeah, but it's like when I see Charlie, and I'm like, man, I wonder if her bones still hurt. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, I'm all healed up, guys. But it's like when you walk into a room and you look at the other people, and you're like, I wonder how they're doing. Like a humble person walks into a room, and they don't elevate themselves. Does that make sense? The turtles like this. Yeah. Like, you don't look at yourself the way you look at others? Yeah. You don't look at yourself the way you look at others. Yeah. Like, a humble person looks at other people the way that a prideful person looks at themselves. Where it's like, okay, a prideful person walks in, they're like, I'm the most important thing in this room, let's direct the attention to me. But a humble person walks in and they say, I'm going to direct my attention to you guys. I'm here for everyone else in the room. That's loving. That's humility. Like, pride takes it in, humble takes it out. Yes. That's actually exactly it. Pride takes it in, humble takes it out. And that's the point. So if you guys are trying to, you know, this is a direct command to you. So what are some ways in your life that you can be more humble? Um, what might humility look like? Don't care about yourself too much, care about others a lot more. Don't care about yourself too much, care about others more. Yeah, that's a big one. What might that look like at school? Talking to others, giving them compliments. You know a really big one? So I'm going to tell you guys a story. So story a lot of times... Story number John. <laughs> so a lot of times with youth group, we have a problem with what we call cliques. And it's essentially where you're in this youth group, and all of the different groups of people have like their own friend group, and they only talk to that one friend group, and they never talk to the new people that come in. So a new person that comes comes in, and they're like, man, I don't, I don't know what everyone's thinking of me. I'm coming to this new place. And they look around, and there's like three people over there talking to each other. There's four people over there talking to each other. And no one is intermingling, and no one even notices that they walk in. That's kind of lousy. One time I went to a church, and this church was called Grace Community Church. And I was in their youth group, and I had never been there before. I'm like 17 years old, and I'm thinking, man, okay, no one is talking to me. I've been here for five minutes, no one's even noticed me walk in, and I thought to myself, if they're doing this to me, I'm betting that they're doing this to other people too. So I looked around, and I was like, who do I see that's not talking to anyone? And I saw a guy, and I walked over to him, and I said, hey man, how are you doing? My name is John, what's your name? And I said, how are, you, are you new to the youth group? And he's like, yeah, I just came in. And I was like, how long have you been coming to the youth group? And he said, oh, I've been coming for three weeks. And I was like, has anyone greeted you yet? And he said, no, actually. And I said, well, hey, man, I'm John. And just on behalf of the youth group, I want to welcome you to the group. I'm glad you're here. And I've never been here before. Not even once. But I'm thinking, man, no one has even noticed this guy. And after I was talking to him for a bit, I was like, hey, it's good to meet you. And I looked around for another guy, and I, wa I walked over towards that guy, and I was like, hey, my name is John. What's your name? How long have you been coming to the youth group? And he's like, yeah, I just came in, actually. It's been four months. And I'm thinking, four months? And I'm thinking, okay, has anyone, invite has anyone welcomed you yet? Have people been talking to you? And he said, no. And I'm thinking, ooh, that's not good. So I said, well. 16 weeks. I know, I know 16 weeks. And no one had talked to him. And so I'm like, okay, well, my name is John. And on behalf of the Grace Community Youth Group, I want to welcome you in. We are so glad to have you. And I hope that you have a good time. Were you, were you now going to that church? No. I actually have never gone to that church since then. 
So that was the one and only time that I had been in that Just youth group. You're everyone. kind of putting them on blast, though. Like. I'm 100% putting them on blast. That was a problem. Um, anyways, but so in a youth group, for example, what's a way that you can demonstrate humility in youth group? Yes. Yeah. Talk to people more. Focus on the application of the chapter. That's actually it. And basically what that looks like is in your youth group, if you come into the youth group and you're thinking about yourself and you're like, who can I talk to that I enjoy talking to? And you never notice the new person. Like it's kind of awkward to talk to a new person. You don't know them and you'd rather talk to the friends that you already have, right? But humility is looking at them and thinking to yourself, oh, they don't know anyone. They're not used to being here. I'm going to talk to them. I'm going to invite them in and make them feel welcome. Humility is thinking about the other people. So we made it through half the chapter and that's all the time we've got. Um, but Ella has COVID. What? Oh, seriously? Yeah. Who's that? That's where she was. Ella Ram. Yeah, She's one of the youth groupers. Here. I'll mm. do it. All right. Well, before you text her out, let's pray it out and get you guys out to your families. Lord, thank you that you give us goals to aim for. Oops, excuse me. I thank you that we don't have to wonder what kind of a person you want us to be when we're an adult, but you can actually, you've given us descriptions of what a mature Christian is supposed to look like. I pray that you would help each of us to look at what we're supposed to be in the future and actively work towards that. That we would be eagerly moving towards being adults. That we wouldn't be children forever, but that we would take the time we have now to become the adults that we're supposed to be and to become an adult as fast as possible. Lord, help us to become men and women who please you and who pursue you. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be humble people. I pray that you would help us not to make ourselves out to be the most important thing, but to actively seek out the well-being of others. I pray these things in the name of our King Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.